listen, I have low vitamin D, but like your D is, cr- I mean, your, I mean, your vitamin D, <laughs> your vitamin D is like so much. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Our The 100 Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, what's your favorite painting? Ooh. I think, did we do this back when Jasper, like, destroyed all the paintings in season three? I don't remember. I simply can't recall the fun facts that we have done. If we did it, I have no idea what my answer was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I'm not sure if I, I might have just said the same thing. Who knows? But call me basic, but the reason why everybody likes Starry Night is because it's beautiful. It's true. It is beautiful. I love Starry Night. And like, that's why like all the like things that come and like I had Starry Night leggings and you know, that classic like Doctor Who Starry Night painting mm-hmm. that I had as a poster and everything. Love Starry Night. An excellent choice. Thank you. And my name is Samantha Coley. I am a 29, for now, year old news <laughs> news editor at Collider. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My favorite painting... I'm so uncultured. I don't... Like, I think that a lot of paintings are, like, really stunning and beautiful, but, like... I would say that my favorite paintings are like probably things Brittany has done. Mm, you know what? I feel like you're morally obligated to say that, but it's true because they're so good. It's it's so true. And like just, her art is just so pretty. And like she just constantly is making new things in like a variety of mediums. And I'm like, okay, it's stunning. And then Mona Lisa who? Like I Yeah, who's Mona Lisa? Yeah. Anyway. Girl with the what earring? I don't know her. <laughs> She means nothing to me. Today we have words to say about episode 201 of the 100, the 48. This episode will contain spoilers for all seven seasons of the 100. I am absolutely thrilled to be here with you. (laughs) I'm so excited. I did my notes like probably like a week, maybe a week and a half ago. And I was doing my rewatch yesterday and I was like, season two is so Good! It's the season that hooks everybody, I feel like. It really is. It's the best season. I don't know why the CW insists on having their shows peak in the second season and then yeah. having them run for seven years, but like... Hello, Riverdale! It is what it is! <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm thrilled. I'm like very excited to talk about it because season two was the season that made me fall in love with this show. So I'm excited to talk about it. And uh, I'm always excited to talk about The 100 with you. Yes, I am very, very delighted to be here. So it's obviously called The 48 and it's called that because 48 out of the 100 kids are inside Mount Weather. Wow, math. Wow, makes sense. I feel like they were trying to be like super edgy and be like, uh, 52 kids are freaking dead, bro. Yeah, right. Or like the 100 more like the 48. And then just <laughs> feel like every season they should have started just like how many characters were left. That yeah. should have been the number at the. Yeah, no, completely. The episode title for the first episode. I don't even know how many were left. It's like the five. <laughs> Like, how many were there? I can't remember. (sighs) Oh, also, before we get started here, you guys, you might recall from the end of uh, last season, technically next season, because we did season three first, obviously, but I have in the interim moved. And so Sam and I are recording separately, but for the first time, we're recording on FaceTime so we can still see each other's faces so we can still laugh at the funny, funny, goofy jokes we make. (laughs) The funny ha-ha's. And the funny weirds. Yeah, exactly. It's so true. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so some of the uh, fun facts just about the episode that I grabbed off of what I assume was the wiki. It says, in the show, this season started on October 12th, 2149 immediately after season one ended and it oh and this the whole season ended on november 3rd 2049 2149 the events that occurred in this season took place over 21 days so this whole season was only three weeks yeah i um i always found it like really weird how rapidly like the first couple seasons take place Mm -hmm. also crazy that we're recording this on october 14th just two days after october 12th that is weird yeah (laughs) That is weird. Okay, well, we will, will, when we finish talking about season two, it will be significantly after November 3rd. <laughs> it also said Clark Griffin, Bellamy Blake, and Octavia Blake are the only characters that appear in every episode of the season. And Finn Collins is the only major character that died in season two. R.I.P. Rip. Um, <laughs> this episode marks uh, the third appearance of a recurring Battlestar Galactica cast member. So we have um, Dr. Singh. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Singh was our third. Um, and the other two were um, Sinclair and uh, Diana Sidney. Oh, yes, yes, yes. R.I.P. Diana Sidney, um, you crazy, crazy lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm honestly like, I haven't read a whole lot of the 100 fic, but the amount that she is like part of is really interesting <laughs> to me because she was only in a couple episodes. And maybe that's just because I'm reading like all team adult stuff, but taste. Who knows? All right, we're going to get started here. Um, I split this episode up into uh, Linktavia and then um, the Murphy and Raven stuff, which sort of like dovetails into the Bellamy storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just all the stuff that happened in Mount Weather. So I'm going to be covering everything other than Mount Weather. Okay. This episode. So let's start with Linktavia because it's tiny little baby storyline. A little nugget. Just a little guy. So uh, Lincoln fixing Octavia's wound, um, trying to teach her an important phrase that she then uses when they finally really do find Luna, which we discussed recently. Indeed. I am Octavia of the Sky People and I seek safe passage, which I've already talked about when we finally got to that Luna storyline, how cool it was that I seek safe passage wasn't just please let me through. It was like actually the noun of like the thing that they were trying. Yeah. That he wanted her to have, which was really cool. The uh, the way that the guy who like designed the language for the like mm-hmm. grounder culture, like he put a lot of work into it and it's still one of the cooler parts of the series, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He really, he really put his whole ass into it. <laughs> really appreciate it. But so Octavia's like, mm, this is annoying because you speak English. So why should I have to learn this? Yeah. And he's like, no, no, only the warriors un- like no English. Oh my God. I, I was rewatching this part and I got to that line and I was like, uh-huh. well, I forgot this man had an American accent in this show because he's he does not have an American accent in reality. In real life, yeah. I'm like, I don't think I've seen him in anything else, so I don't even know if he has a, his, uses his regular accent in other things. I have no idea. What's he, What does he do in American Gods? Did you ever watch that? I did not. Me neither. <laughs> Oopsie. Oops. Sorry, Kristen Chenoweth. <laughs> um, but so, okay, so he says only their warriors speak English, and I was like, mm, that's weird because because Luna fully speaks English. And then I was like, wait, Luna is a, a warrior. <laughs> Luna is a warrior. <laughs> so that actually makes sense. But you know who else speaks English? That Shay girl that Jasper was obsessed with. She wasn't a warrior. She grew up in this peaceful place. Is she a warrior because she fought with a shark once? And then they were like, you get to learn <laughs> English now? Like, they what's were, the story here? I feel like they truly gave up on this and was like, everybody's a warrior because a uh, Life is war. Fully. Yeah, that was <laughs> and that was a stupid ass rule to make. Like, 
you, this isn't Star Trek. You don't have a universal communicator yeah. that is the explanation for why everybody speaks English. Like, you don't have yeah. a, a shorthand like that. But okay, guy. <laughs> so uh, Octavia wants to know about a drawing in Lincoln's journal. And he says, oh, it's a statue near my village that they go uh, and everyone goes there to settle disputes. And it's the Abraham Lincoln statue in D.C., which is very cool because that statue is important in my favorite movie. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's also important. But, but yeah. Um, because I I love when they interact with like DC architecture in the show. Mm-hmm. Cause like when I was a big fan of the show, I was like obsessed with that because I lived in DC for a while. Yeah. And I also just really love the city. And so every time they would show like bits and pieces like that, I was like, hello. Yeah. Well it was it's really cool because it reminds us that it's like in the future, you know, like, obviously, you know, it's post-apocalyptic and everything. So we all know that it's in the future. But those sort of things really, like, anchor it in the future, you know, like, mm-hmm. things that we've seen. Everyone understands what I'm saying. Yeah. But, like, but I you feel know, like the, the things that we we see in our real lives, seeing it years and years and years and years and years and years in the future, very cool, very reminds us exactly where the place is located as well. Exactly. And I think the visual cue is probably a reference to like the original Planet of the Apes movie, Mm -hmm. which if you haven't seen it, it's a movie where people are like, oh my God, this planet is ruled by apes. And at the end of the movie, (laughs) you find out that it's actually Earth several like Mm. years in the future because like lady liberty is like in the ocean or whatever yeah and it's like a really iconic shot and so like it it gave me those vibes uh to see the lincoln statue yeah oh love that um and then like later when we get to go there too you're like oh so cool exactly it's like i'm seeing a celebrity (laughs) so lincoln takes the arrow out of octavia and it's poison and he finds out because he just fully licks it yeah like okay are do you not also need the antidote now well he like spits it out but it's also like okay well i mean i think it was like a moment where it's supposed to be like look how badass lincoln is he doesn't even care he just wants to help save octavia but i'm also like bruh (laughs) like and also like her blood is all up in there i'm like okay but it's gross though it's okay it is gross poison poison has a five second rule yeah (laughs) right 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 poison's (laughs) like okay if we just stay in here for four more seconds Oh, man. So he cauterizes her wound and she's like, don't you have the antidote? He says, not anymore because he gave it to Finn to save Raven. On the wiki, it says, Lincoln says the antidote Octavia needs was given to Finn to save Raven in We Are Grounders Part 2. However, it was a coagulant that Finn had needed, but Lincoln did give Finn his entire med kit, which contained both, which is why he doesn't have it. So Mm. he didn't give Finn the antidote he just gave finn everything he has which is like what a supreme mistake you made yeah can't trust that guy with nothing honestly feels like a mistake like yeah just also but like also why would you do that in the first place instead yeah. of you just give him what he needs i can't remember i haven't seen the first season in so long but like the reason you carry a med kit is because you run into things like this yeah <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So they're like, well, we can't go back because it's too far, but it would be even farther for us to start heading out to Luna. We can't go back to his village because they do bad things to traitors. And he's a traitor for helping her, I guess. And for like helping the Sky Crew, I think. Sure. That's all I can think of is that he's like putting her needs over top of his own people. Mm. Slash helped them kill all all those grounders at the end of last season. Yeah, I guess because he ended up siding with them at the end of the 
at the end of the season, he's yeah already considered a traitor. Yeah. So she's like, don't you know what they do to traitors? They do death by a thousand cuts. And Robin and I were both like, grounders, swifty, question mark? I was like, flashbacks waking me up? <laughs> Get drunk, but it's not enough when the morning comes and you're not my baby? <laughs> Who knows? But of course, they're going to bring this back later this season. Of course. And she's like, everyone's going to take turns stabbing you like Julius Caesar (laughs) and feed him to the bugs. He's like, she's like, just to remind you how bad it is. And he's like, oh, actually, thanks for talking about bugs, because that's where the antidote comes from. So I'm going to go get some bugs and then make you eat them. And Octavia's also like, I've read like three books. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, damn it. Okay. So she also looked, we looked down into Lincoln's journal and he also drew the dropship, which is really cool because then they transitioned to a scene in the dropship. Yeah. So big fan of that transition. That was good. The next scene that we get, Octavia is screaming. Lincoln runs back and tries to help. And honestly, like this Lincoln (laughs) sort of reminds me of every time I hear my dog getting into something in another room. (laughs) Like I just hear something and I'm like, I gotta go. There's something else that's happening. So I have to run and figure out what he's doing. I feel like that's Lincoln in this scene. So he's like what's wrong and she's like i saw a scary monster man and he's like girl you're stupid it's just the poison messing with you so clearly we need to go fast because it's getting worse right and he like lifts her and takes her away and we see this scary monster man watching from the tree so it actually wasn't just the poison but do you i have no memory of this does this ever matter or come back well it we don't ever get to see them up close like that again but it's a reaper uh-huh. oh it's a reaper isn't it Here's the th- I always thought reapers were like fairly normal looking, but then they're just like a little bit more feral. Um, Whereas this man was fully. I think that they're like feral plus like irradiated. Okay. I'm trying to, I don't know a not ableist way to say that they're like, yeah, they look different. Yeah. Um, so I know. Well, now that you say that, I actually like was kind of like iffy about this, her being like, he's a scary monster and everything. And I'm just like, I don't know how it seems like he's just kind of a normal person whose face is, is deformed, you know, like, yeah, we don't call him a monster. (laughs) I don't know. But I also, I don't think we ever meet this man again. So I don't know. Maybe Maybe he has bad intentions. I have no idea. Probably. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that it's meant to introduce the Reaper storyline. Yeah. But they they rarely show those people up close again, um, which yeah. I guess they didn't have the like makeup department budget for it mm-hmm. more than once. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I'll, I'll believe it, honestly. I also wonder if Lincoln, like, I feel like I'm giving them too much credit, but I wonder if Lincoln hearing her say that he didn't think that she was crazy, but he knows that Reapers are extremely, like, feral and dangerous. So mm-hmm. that's why, also why they need to hurry up and get the heck out of there. Right, yeah. Maybe instead of, like, maybe he's like, excuse me while I slightly gaslight you so you're not super scared of the fact that you just saw somebody. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like sometimes you tell little white lies to, to do better by somebody and sometimes you slightly gaslight them. <laughs> so in the next scene, Octavia's being carried by Lincoln still. She's like reciting the lines that he's been teaching her and he's just trying to get her to keep talking so that he knows that she's still conscious, I assume, because he can't look at her face because he's carrying her. Mm-hmm. She says that she doesn't know where they're going. Um, Lincoln says that they're almost to the sea. Can't you smell it? And she's like, I can't smell anything. And she's really scared that she's like dying because she can't smell anything. Yeah. But I think that she wouldn't be able to smell the sea anyway because they're not actually going to the sea. Oh, yeah. Because they go to Lincoln's village instead. I feel like he's probably just saying anything to, like, comfort her. Yeah, and then it it just goes bad. And this one just backfires. (laughs) 
Yeah. 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 Okay, so Lincoln brought Octavia to his village and they're there at the Lincoln statue, which is obviously who he was named after. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of love because he said that they go to the Lincoln statue to settle disputes and sort of like make peace. And Lincoln is such like a sort of like a peacemaker type character. So I, I really like that. And, yeah, you know, it's... Abraham Lincoln himself was, was kind of like that. Yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah. And very sweet. So he says, okay, go to sleep and I'll be back with the antidote. Um, I'm not going to let you die. And I'm like, I thought we wanted to keep her conscious. I feel like her going to sleep is like a bad idea, but okay. <laughs> right. So she's like, oh, I'm worried that you're going to be killed. And he's like, it's fine. If you just shut up, then nobody will know that we were ever here. <laughs> And they won't catch us. So it'll be fine. <laughs> if you just shut up. Yeah. Um, and that's the little Link- Linktavia storyline. So let's move on to Mervyn. Sweet. All right. So um, we've got a grounder outside the dropship who is seeing all the dead bodies and everything. He goes in and he turns over Raven, but she shoots him and he's dead. Ka-chow. It's a good shot. It's uh, very <laughs> yeah. impressive. Yeah. And it's a good, it's a really good moment to sort of reintroduce Raven as a character for the first time this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so Raven's still alive, but she's struggling and someone else enters the dropship and she like raises her gun to shoot again but it's just Murphy and he's like excuse me please don't shoot me and thank goodness she didn't because that's my friend. I mean she technically did though. She pulls the trigger. I mean that's correct. Yeah oh my gosh you're totally right about that. Okay so first of all he's still handcuffed like handcuffed in the way that it's like rope. Yeah. And so she's like why wouldn't I shoot you? You literally shot me. So she pulls the trigger which is exactly what you said Mm -hmm. but it's out of ammo. Now I'm going to say, and maybe this is, you know, sometimes I I do a little bit of a stretch sometimes. <laughs> this one, I don't think as much of a stretch. I think that this is genuinely a Lost reference. We know that the show is, you know, inspired by Lost in some ways. Yes, of course. And there's a really iconic moment in, in 401, which is I actually, weirdly enough, I'm recording uh, the podcast for 401 tomorrow. Oh my God, fate. <laughs> I know. Yeah, so I'm literally talking about this sort of thing within like 24 hours but there's a very iconic moment in Lost where somebody pulls the trigger on another character but they're out of ammo and so then they don't die and they both sort of have to grapple with the fact like that I was going to murder you mm-hmm. and that I was almost murdered by this person yeah so I'm, I do want to say that that's a genuine Lost reference but that that could just be me I would I'll, I'll give you that one thank you yeah okay so did she know that it was out of ammo or did she literally try to kill Murphy here. I think she wanted to kill him. I think so too. I don't see it at all in her eyes that she, that that was a mistake, yeah. you know? Um, and she looked sort of like surprised. She looked surprised and like that it didn't work. A little afraid that, that it didn't go off in my opinion, mm-hmm. because I think she doesn't fully think that Murphy won't kill her. Right. Because yeah. he has killed other people from the hundred already. Yeah. I do love his, his line after this was just like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I was like, yeah, we, we've all been there. <laughs> yeah. So in the next scene, um, Murphy cuts the rope off of his hands and, you know, they're talking about like, what are you doing here? And they're like, I'm also dying. <laughs> Rip. So then I think it's Raven who's like, speak for yourself. I'm not dying. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and so she asks how many are out there. And Murphy says, none. You you got them all. The one that you just killed survived only because he was guarding me. So Raven starts coughing up blood and Murphy goes over there trying to help her and get her to like lie on her side and everything. And it makes a lot of sense after the next scene where he mm-hmm. talks about how his mother was found in her own vomit. So it makes total sense that he would like know how to sort of like help somebody when they're having those sorts of problems. Uh, also, look, he knows medical stuff. He and Abby are just gonna make it's good friends, I think. Fate. Also, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it feeds into that whole story that he tells 
uh, very yeah. well. So um, she starts pushing him away and everything, and he's like, fine, do it yourself, whatever. And, but he, like, goes and, like, wipes her face off for her and everything, which is really nice. And she's like, why are you helping me? And he's like, I don't want to die alone, okay? So first of all, this is so gorgeous after season one, Murphy. Like, oh, <laughs> they're already starting with the with the slight character development, which I really love. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's saying to Raven, oh, I don't want to die alone, which is, like, my big selfish reason. But you can tell that he just, like, it's just sort of an excuse so that he can say that he actually wants her to live. Yeah. And wants to help her. And that he feels bad for what he did to her. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good subtext. Way to go, Rick. <laughs> love ya. I love every time I see him pop up in a new, like, trailer at work, I'm like, yeah. oh, good for you, buddy. Oh, he's thriving. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, that was shot here for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. As if Rick leaves uh, Vancouver. (laughs) So I've got one more scene here before uh, it sort of goes into the other storyline. But basically Raven says, how did you get to be such a jerk? And he's like, I'm sorry for shooting you. Please don't talk to me about my backstory. I really, (laughs) this is not, I'm not interested. It's so tragic. I'm not here for this. (laughs) I really can't do this. I will cry. (laughs) So she's like, so were you not loved by your parents? And he's like, no, I was loved by my parents. And she's like, are you going to cry? And he's like, maybe (laughs) maybe i will i might mind your business so she's like no i actually want to (laughs) know she's like i actually want to know please tell me because if you were loved how did you become this right and so murphy gives his backstory in 201 he says listen i noticed in season one that all a bunch of people cared about me and so now i'm gonna tell you my backstory at the first episode of season two so he got sick his dad stole medicine that didn't even end up helping which is like its own tragedy, I think. It really is because like then you lose both parents in one fell swoop. Yeah, like it wasn't even worth it. Yeah. Like literally if he hadn't done that, everything about his illness would have remained exactly the same, except now he would have had a dad. Yeah. So yeah, his dad got floated for it and his mom becomes depressed and an alcoholic. And the last words she ever said before she died was that he was the one who killed his father. And it's Mm -hmm. like, he didn't ask his dad to steal the medicine. No. And I like that. And oh, you know what? Mm -hmm. Uh, I like that this comes back later in Murphy in uh, season four. I was about to say the exact same thing. I think we're about to bring up the exact same thing. Yeah, because later, um, Abby is trying to treat a grounder kid and Raven yep. is in charge of rationing the medicine before, you know, all the nuclear plants in the world melt down. And she's like, no, you can't have any, even though this is a really tough decision for me to make. And Abby's like, okay, that sucks. And Murphy's like, okay, I heard, <laughs> overheard this. Um, uh, Here you go. And... Thus begins a beautiful friendship. And Murphy steals the medicine. Yeah. Yes. And Murphy steals the medicine just like his dad did, except it mm-hmm. made a difference. It did. Yeah. And I like that he was able to, like, having experienced that awful time of his life and then is still has enough character growth from the beginning of season one to the beginning of, or the middle of season four, when that happens, that he's able to not, like, just give up on trying to do the right thing sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, he does often make self-serving choices, which, like, fair. Uh, Everybody is doing that. Cockroach got a cockroach. (laughs) But he also doesn't like look at that situation and be like well it didn't work out for me so i'm not even gonna try for this person right yeah he's like the the risk is worth it the right thing to do is still to give the person the medicine yeah and i mean the risks are lower now because they're not floating people but still yes so he found his mom like he found his mom which is even sadder um in a pool of her own vomit which of course is why he knew to push raven onto her side because i assume that happened to his mom a lot and raven's like i don't care (laughs) 
and Murphy's like, okay. And so then Murphy cries. I think that even though Raven says like, boohoo, that sucks. Yeah. That clearly this does mean enough to her that later when Abby's like, what happened to you? She doesn't rat him out. Yeah. And like, I feel like that, like the things that happen while they're both in here sort of lead to a, a weird kind of even situation because like mm. Raven was going to kill him when he walked in. Yeah. But he sort of like gets back up to her level. She's like, all right, I won't kill you today. <laughs> yeah. Maybe tomorrow. You're on thin ice though, pal. I think she does later try to turn him in as Finn to the grounders, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I, pretty sure. Yeah. So she's like, she's like, and they're like, well, we don't have passports, so whatever. By the end of this episode, she's like, okay, sure. Uh, I'll let you live today. And then later she's like, um, my, the only boyfriend I've ever had is in danger. Uh, let's just kill Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like all this heat for she's Finn. Like, Come on. Yeah. I know for Finn. But like, it also to- makes total sense to me because she's just like, okay, when there's not really anything for me to gain by killing you right now, except for like me having to sit here paralyzed and stare at your dead body and like, look at the things that I did, you know? Oh God. Whereas when, when it's fit saving Finn, she's like, I have everything to gain mm-hmm. to- by killing Murphy. And so I'll definitely do that. So it yep. makes sense to me that she she did that totally but so then that sort of goes into the bellamy storyline so let's move on to the bellamy storyline here okay so we have bellamy running through the jungle with a spear and he comes across monroe and sterling hiding and monroe sees him and then bellamy gets mad and is like shut up And have you seen Finn? And they're like, oh my gosh, Finn is alive. Well, he was the last time I saw him, but we got separated. And they're like, well, we ran because we knew that the fire was coming, but then one of the grounders followed us. We saw the Ark come down and we wanted to help. So we started heading over there. Sterling's like, I saw a piece come down over here. And Monroe thinks it's Mecha Station, but I don't. And they start like getting interrupted. Bellamy's probably like, I don't care. There is so much that I deeply don't care about, and it's all the things that are going on with you. He's like, um, my priority list, this is at the bottom of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't really need to hear you guys bicker. Let's go. So, <laughs> um, Tristan is pulling two prisoners behind his horse. Um, Tristan, of course, being one of the main grounders from season one, mm-hmm. who immediately dies this episode, so it truly doesn't matter <laughs> for, like, a year until we get to season one. Uh, so this other kid that is with Finn is, like, exhausted, can't go anymore, and Finn's like, bro, he's, like, gonna fall over there's like he just can't keep going Mm -mm. so then Tristan comes and kills the kid which obviously makes Finn upset because he's known this kid I mean we haven't known this kid but Finn has for like however long they've been there like at least as long as they've been on the ground but probably even longer because like there's not a huge population on the ark yeah so then Tristan's like I don't care because this was one person that you lost and I lost 300 people just now and I'm like geez after losing another 300 tree crew next season how Mm -hmm. are there any tree crew left like I'm I'm also just like when you break it down by numbers like that, I'm like, maybe we should just stop. Yeah. And are, you're telling me there were 300 grounders at the dropship when, like, Clark killed 300 grounders with that lever pull. I don't know. It didn't seem like that many. I'm like, I don't know 300 people. Yeah. You know? It's just like, in an apocalyptic world, I'm surprised there are that many people. Yeah. Right. And, like, just in one clan and there's, like, what, 12, 13 clans, right? Yeah. And, like, I I guess you could probably get away with it because America is massive. So, like, if people over the last hundred years have sort of congregated to a place like D.C. Yeah. Like, let me just see currently what the population is in D.C. Okay. I'm just curious. Mm -hmm. There are 700,000 people in Washington, D.C. alone. Mm -hmm. So, I... 
I guess I see with in, in America with such a densely populated city, mm-hmm. I could see there being a higher percentage of survivors from the initial blast. Yeah. And then that being able to like grow humanity's numbers back mm-hmm. up yeah. over 100 years. I guess. Yeah. Me like, let's do math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tristan is like, I'm going to keep Finn alive just so, so somebody can talk to the commander. And he's also covered in burn marks from the flames. And he says, let's keep going. And they just leave that kid's body there. God. Yikes. So Bellamy gives a pep talk to Sterling and Monroe. And they're like, we got to save Finn. We're going to go and attack as a team. And when Tristan goes for me, Bellamy, Monroe will go and save Finn. And then it'll be four to one. It'll be us three plus Finn to, to Tristan. So we should be able to take him at that point. Bellamy is also doing that. And so Bellamy's like, <laughs> yeah shout out so then bellamy's like okay let's go one two three and he runs out and monroe and sterling just stay (laughs) guys seriously (laughs) listen they're like seven years old okay i'm sure they're older than that but i mean it's true but like if if you're having reservations maybe say it before he runs out there to be murdered they were like on three or after three (laughs) yeah exactly I'm just like, if Bellamy had died, it would have fully been on you guys, just to be clear. 100%. So Finn, Finn is like, Bellamy? Um, go away! <laughs> this is not a good idea. Tristan charges his horse towards Bellamy, which makes Finn just fully pulled by his hands forward. I'm not sure how his shoulders don't get pulled out of their sockets with that. Like, dislocated, yeah. Fully. Bellamy misses with his spear and gets taken out and just and just knocked out. And now they're both prisoners. So thanks so much to Sterling and Monroe, who <laughs> try to step up and then immediately it doesn't matter. Just immediately fail. Yeah. So Finn tells Bellamy to keep staying standing or else Tristan will kill him because he literally just saw that happen to that other kid. Monroe starts trying to like steal herself and they're gonna run out. They try and attack and clearly will lose. Yeah. But then Tristan just dies because there's a reveal that Kane is here and Kane shot him. Dun dun dun. Heck yeah. So Kane says, hey guys. It's a pretty sick reveal. All is well, children. All is well, children. Team adults is here. Never fear. Like, hell yeah. In in retrospect, like I understand why he he says the things that he says from his perspective. Mm-hmm. But like in retrospect, now sorry, crime. Of course. But like in retrospect and like watching it back now, I'm just like, bro, this is so cringe. <laughs> like he, why are you telling these? They've been here. They know. Remind me what he says. Remind me what he says. It, he just walks up and it, it is very much like, we're here now. Don't worry. Yeah. Never fear, children. We're in charge. We know more than you. And I'm like, but you don't. But you don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there are times when I, when Abby says something and I'm like, she does know more than you. Um, But this time with yeah. Kane, I was like, no, he doesn't know more. He he yeah. actually knows very little. Um, Right. <laughs> And like, it's this moment when they first show up and then at the end when they're like, when they've got Raven and and Murphy, he says something again and it's about like there being rules and like having to stick to the the rule book. Right. And he like is like Bellamy's under arrest for punching a man. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, 
it's just like, bro, you're on the ground now. The rules have changed. Yeah, exactly. I know. I'm like, I didn't want Bellamy to keep punching Murphy as much as the next person. In fact, probably more because most people probably did want Bellamy to keep punching Murphy. (laughs) But I don't think Bellamy deserved to get arrested for it. Right. Jeez. So Finn says he's okay. We need to get back to the drop ship. Abby, of course, as always, asks where Clark is. And they're like, well, she was fine when we left. So let's go. Thinking that everyone was just still in the drop ship, I guess. Fools. Kane tells Sinclair that they're going to split up. And a few people are going to go to the drop ship. And everyone else is going to Alpha Station. Also, have we heard anything from Jaha? No. Darn. So they head out. (laughs) And Cabby is together. And he's like, you're almost with Clark again, Abby. And it's sweet. I'm pretty sure he, like, brushes his hand across her back. And we, everybody, I, was, I just remember being like, hello? <laughs> that was for me. What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. On the wiki, it said, it's revealed that the only grounder survivors of the battle were Anya, Tristan, and a grounder left to guard Murphy. The latter is shot by Raven which when he checks out the dropship, and Tristan is killed by Kane, leaving Anya as the only survivor of the entire uh, battle from la- the end of last season. Depression! And then, annoyingly... Because I know what happens to her. They kill Anya. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Ugh. One of the, one of my least favorite moments, gotta say. Yeah. Ugh. They keep killing all these cool women. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Annoying. So... They get to the dropship and there are guards sweeping the whole place. Um, Abby finds Raven and Murphy. Murphy, what a hero, tells them to help Raven first. Honestly, bro moves. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, listen, I love the angst. And I just wanted to say, as I, I know I'm a Murphy girl, but I fully shipped Mervin. I respect you. I love the angst. I love the angst. I think like that they had, they started so low that there was such an interesting place to grow to. Mm-hmm. And like that scene in season four where they like where she finally forgives him was like so beautiful i was like hello (laughs) but i also understand the people who were like super against it because he was the reason why she like ended up with her disability and everything like so i completely understand wherever somebody you know lands on that spectrum falls on that yeah of liking murphy yeah and i think i think with with this ship in particular and like i want to say there's a a few others but i they're all not coming to my mind right, right now um but with this ship in particular i feel like um at the beginning i had more qualms about it than by the end because by the end i'm like okay rick and Lindsay are both so charming and they have a very natural chemistry that i understand why people get to from point a to point b yeah plus and then mm-hmm. amori comes in and she's sort of sort of a bridge between the two of them yeah in a way mm-hmm. and it sort of also works in a in a cool like thruple situation between those three yeah. honestly <laughs> yeah so exactly (laughs) yeah yeah so abby of course rushes to raven which is really sweet because abby and raven have you know history and raven says (laughs) clark is not here like i don't know where she is but she is not here i love that raven knows that that is one of abby's priorities but abby is also currently prioritizing raven because she's hurt Mm -hmm. and because she actually does care about her and like the last time they saw each other was her sending Raven to the ground in a tin can. I bet like Raven also sort of has these sort of feelings of guilt where she like worked so hard with Abby so that she could get to the ground so that she could help Clark so that she could help Abby see Clark again. And then Raven gets to the ground and she gets to spend all this time with Clark. And then as soon as Abby shows up, Clark is gone again, yep. you know? And so Raven probably has these feelings where she's like, oh man, I'm, I'm trying my best here, but <laughs> yeah. I, I gotta be honest, she's not here. I don't know where she is and I can't, I cannot help you anymore. She's like, I was given a task and I cannot complete it. 
<laughs> yeah. Anxiety. So she says that she got shot, but she doesn't say who she got shot by. <sighs> it's blossoming. I'm like, I am looking. It's already blossoming. Yeah. Bellamy and Finn hear that they need a stretcher outside. So that means that somebody must be alive in there. So Bellamy rushes past the guards to get in. They're like, where is everyone? And Murphy says, oh my gosh, there were hundreds of grounders. If it wasn't for Raven. And then, you know, he stops talking. And so like, I wonder what he was going to say there. Like if it wasn't for Raven, because Raven was like part of the one, was like the one who helped the lever do the things the lever was going to do, I guess. Yeah. Like, I assume. Yeah. I mean, she does like set up the, I don't know. I'm not sure what he was going to say, but I, I assumed it was something like if it wasn't for Raven, we would all be dead or something. It's probably, it probably would have been like exposing their like plan and like what they did also, mm-hmm. which I, but I think yeah. he tells Kane that in a couple, in an episode or two anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I think he is maybe just conserving how much information he wants to give. And also sure. probably, um, he probably is thinking that like people he cares about, probably including Clark are, are dead. Yeah. And so it sort of mirrors the feelings that Clark has in the mountain in that, like, we're not all in here. And he's like, okay, but I haven't found everybody. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So then in Robin's Murphy moment, <laughs> Bellamy <laughs> comes in and is like, oh my gosh, it's Murphy in a bad way. And Murphy's like, oh my gosh, it's Bellamy in like a good way. Like, he's like, oh my God, oh. Bellamy, you're alive. And Bellamy's like, slap. <laughs> Bellamy's like, you bitch. <laughs> Yeah, immediately punches him in the face. And he's like, you're a murderer. And Bellamy gets in trouble for hurting Murphy. Like we just talked about, Kane places him under arrest. And Finn's like, um, what? Like, wait, Murphy killed like two of our people, like shot another one of our people. He doesn't say who because, you know, Raven just worked so hard to keep that concealed. Yeah. And also he tried to kill Bellamy. And Kane's like, I don't care. It's not on his list of reasons to care. Yeah, there are rules and laws now, and there weren't rules and laws yesterday, which is when he did those things. So, listen, it's fine. the law has arrived, and you yeah. you just have to listen to it now. Oh, well. So, Raven is taken out on a stretcher, and Finn is obviously really worried about her. Abby says that she's lost a lot of blood, and it's like honestly amazing that she's still alive. And we also see that Jasper, Raven has Jasper's goggles on her arm, so it's good mm-hmm. that we keep those. And I think that like that's important for at the end of season two, like Jasper sort of brought in on a stretcher or something and he has his goggles. I have a memory of like Jasper's goggles being important at the end of this season too, but yeah. I, I don't super remember. Oh, they are. It's when Knocking on Heaven's Door is being played. She she gives them back to him at the end. Right. Yes. Okay. So it's cool that that sort of like came full circle in the season as this is in the first episode and that's in the last episode. Exactly. So they say no one else is there and Kane helps Murphy up. There's like a lot of dead bodies and stuff and you know, we talked, we just recently talked about season three and when Jasper and Monty go back there when like Jasper's all drunk and stuff and he accidentally like sneezes Finn's ashes onto the ground or whatever. Oh no. There's like no bodies there anymore I guess so like I maybe they came and like cleaned him up or something. I don't know. I want to say they probably did mm-hmm. do that and then part of it is also probably like they've decomposed. I don't know. Yeah I mean it has it's been three months yeah. Because like if it's not if it's not properly like disposed of and stuff I don't know what the state of decay on a body is at yeah. three months. Plus it's probably heightened because of the radiation levels. Right, yeah. And there's also like, I mean, we don't see a lot of animals in this show, but like, I'm sure there's some animal life that would 
do something with that too. Yeah. But the the better answer is they came back and like gave a memorial mm-hmm. to the yeah. bodies that are there. And if Sky Crew didn't, then maybe Tree Crew did. Yeah. So in the next scene, Finn goes over and tells Bellamy that they're leaving. And Bellamy's like, that sounds stupid because if they come <clears throat> back, then this is where they'll go. Yeah. And Finn's like, I don't think they're coming back. Bestie. Which like first time Finn's been right. <laughs> I know, right? But he's then immediately wrong again. But then immediately says something wrong. Yeah. Because he follows it up with, the grounders definitely took him. And I'm like, bro. And I'm like, you're close, but not quite. Because, like, technically the Mount Weather people, like, are grounders because they're from the ground. But they're yeah. nothing like them. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to go with Kane. We're going to get weapons and help. And then we will go and get them. And Bellamy's like, how many more of us will die before we can? And Finn's like, I don't really care because Abby says that Raven's going <laughs> to die before without surgery. So we kind of need to do that right now um i like all the people who are putting raven first yeah i respect that that uh priority because she is also my priority yes so then abby (laughs) leaves a note for clark on where to go so she leaves some coordinates and then says clark please come home clark puts it into google maps or something i guess (laughs) or like she still has that map who knows i feel like i mean i feel like part of earth skills is probably longitude and latitude Mm. and like finding where you are on the planet without any tools like Mm -hmm. that but i sure don't understand it (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) So then Kane comes over and tells her that it's time to head out. And then they start playing Home 2 by Dotan or Doton or whatever. It's such a good song. I genuinely, I have a physical reaction to this song. Same. I was like, like, I've been, I've been sucker punched. Because it like is so meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the crashed ark. Sinclair hugs Abby and Jackson finds Abby with his classic Abby. You know, Jackson, when he, when he sees Abby, he goes Abby. Yes. It's such a good hug. Classic. I, uh, I like was only mildly resentful of the fact that he makes it to the end of this series and she doesn't while watching it. Yeah. But like while watching it, it was a weird mix of feelings because I was like, ah, and then but then i was also like oh it's really nice and it's a good hug jackson will continue on abby's memory because suchan is so much taller than Paige, so like it's really like it's a very cute hug yeah and suchan loves Paige. yeah um so bellamy's in handcuffs now because (laughs) he punched murphy raven and murphy come in on stretchers abby says that she wants the wounded treated before everyone else which makes total sense um kane sees the camp jaha sign Mm-hmm. which Sinclair had the idea for. And it was like really beautiful and sweet, you know, when we still liked Jaha. Because <laughs> we all still liked Jaha at this point, you know? Um, and it's really sweet because you think- I mean, I mean, like the character is still very interesting throughout mm-hmm. the show, I think. And he does yeah. get a good death, but like, boy, did Isaiah Washington ruin everything he ever did by being- who he is. <laughs> I feel like I didn't know anything about Isaiah Washington when I was watching this. I feel like once season three started, it was like, then I started learning more about who Isaiah Washington was as a person. Plus Jaha was doing crappy things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I still have like, okay memories of Jaha in the first two seasons. And you know, we think he's dead at this point as well before we see this next scene. So it's like a really lovely moment of like memory for him. Yeah. You know? I did have, I feel like when I watched it, I did because I had also seen Grey's like the first Mm. few seasons of Grace, I did know that he was a homophobe, but I also hadn't seen like a lot more about him since then. So I was Mm -hmm. like, I had like, I don't really care for Jaha, but I also find the character interesting feelings. Mm -hmm. And then he just made it so much worse. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, bud. Um, So then Kane's like, okay, well, I like the sign. It's nice. Have we heard from him? And the answer is no. So Sinclair calls Kane Chancellor. Ooh. Wow, what a moment. And it's like, 
it's like a big moment too because Kane is like, oh, that's oh crap, yeah, I guess that's my job now, huh? That's a big deal. <laughs> Yeah. The last scene in this storyline is, I believe the last, yeah, the last scene in the whole episode. Jaha is still up in space. This is such a nightmare. It it occurred to me while I was doing my rewatch yesterday that I was like, this would kill me inside. You know, being like fully alone on this space station that's just like so empty and cold and you can like feel yourself losing oxygen knowing that for the rest of your life, you're just going to be like alone and like not only losing oxygen, but also like running out of food and like, oh, so scary. Yeah. Honestly, if it had been me, I probably would have like taken the radio to like my quarters or whatever and Mm -hmm. then set up whatever media that had become my favorite in space or whatever Mm -hmm. and just like watch because like he does end up watching home videos doesn't he yeah i think before he comes down or maybe that was maybe that was in season one when he was like missing wells yeah it might have been like the flashbacks when he's watching like the soccer oh oh no you're right i think because doesn't he yeah because now he's like because isn't that what fully about the baby now yeah i don't know but (laughs) there i feel like there was uh he has access to things like that though is what i'm saying yes And I, just to feel less alone, would have put on something where I could see other people. I know. We cannot be wallowing. Mm -mm. We cannot spend the rest of our lives wallowing. I was like, I have a limited amount of time. I'm probably just going to take, like, whatever food and alcohol and whatever are left on this ship. And I'm going to be at peace and hope that I hear from people before I... Mm -hmm eventually succumb to brainlessness yes i know and he's like trying to contact sinclair being like just in case you can hear me you know it's been 12 hours i can't help you anymore kane and abby are on their own now if they work together everything will be okay it's a very good speech um remind them to work together yeah and keep our people safe it it just hurts because you know that nobody can hear him Mm -hmm. you know they keep being like no we haven't heard anything from him and you know he's making this big speech up in space and and it's it goes unheard and he's trying so hard Mm mm-hmm Yeah. And then he looks at Wells on the screens and he says, maybe meet again, you know, and is thinking about how he's going to see him soon because Wells is dead and he's going to die soon. Yeah. In in his brain, of course. Um, So he turns off the screens because I guess, you know, he probably needs to conserve some energy. And um, he hears a baby crying. Bro, I was fully team. I thought the baby was real. (laughs) I'm just like, what a what a strange cliffhanger to leave us on. Like being like somebody left their baby. I fully, because I binged. Who did that? I binged the first up to uh, 208. And so like, Mm. I'm watching these in rapid succession. And so until we realized that the baby is not real, I thought the baby was real. It's just like, I guess, (laughs) I think it's like oxygen poisoning, like the lack of oxygen in his brain is like making up this baby. There's a word. Yeah, there's a word for it. Deoxygenation or something. No, I think it starts with an A. I don't know what it is though right now. And it's not asphyxiation. I don't think. Anyway, I don't know. And so I, I I don't know. I Did you think the baby was real at all when you watched it? I honestly, I have no, I have no recollection of, <laughs> of what I felt about this baby. I think that it was mainly just like surprise being like, wait, I, I think that maybe I thought that the baby was real for like a second. And then it was like, probably like this episode. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then maybe when the next episode started, I was like, wait, this is an uh, allegory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is the baby Wells? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. This is a, my 
my turn? Yeah, so uh, right before we start this last uh, section here, we'll talk about Patreon real quick. It is a service. I mean, you guys have heard this spiel a bajillion times, uh, but our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados, and it's basically where you can sign up for a monthly donation. Our smallest one is just $1 a month. It gets you early access to every single podcast. Um, This one comes out a whole week in advance. Seems like pretty worth it to me, but <laughs> that's just me maybe. The $2 level gets you access to our Discord server. The $5 level is 10% off at um, the various places that we sell things. So I sell embroidery on Etsy as well as on hybridy.com. Um, and Brittany sells amazing pins and stickers and prints and stuff and keychains at Visit Binnyland. Um, and our co-host on Lost is Casey and she sells some really cool fandom inspired candles at Lost and Found Candle Co. And if you join our Patreon at the $5 level, you get 10% off on all three of those places. Um, so that is also pretty worth it. Hell yeah. And then my personal favorite, um, my personal favorite tier is the $10 tier, which is our Patreon only podcast, which is called OK Love You High. And it's about a 45 minute long podcast every two weeks, just doing various topics. And um, this week in VanFam, which is when we talk about what's happened to us in our lives for the past mm-hmm. uh, two weeks. Um, and the people who are on that tier seem to really enjoy it. So yeah. I personally would recommend. Some of the other stuff we've done on that channel is like, <laughs> we've went through all of our favorite characters and decided what they smell like. Um, mm-hmm. Robin and Casey recently did a lost March Madness uh, bracket for an episode. Mm-hmm. And Robin's interviewed her parents. We've done um, yeah. like audio tracks for movies that we love. Uh, it's just a big mishmash of things that we enjoy. And I think that you would too. Yeah, thanks. That would be great. So yeah, patreon.com slash the aficionados. If you can't do that just check out some of our um uh, small businesses that's another way that you can support us and uh, also get something cool out of it if you can't do any of those things just recommend us to a friend that is free and we'd really appreciate it yeah thanks so now we're going to talk about mount weather and sam uh, covered that yes i did so we open on clark still in her containment room in mount weather we know she's in mount weather i don't think she knows she's in mount weather yet <laughs> i don't think so <laughs> When she looks out of the like porthole in her, it's not a porthole because it's not a ship, but I don't know the word for it. Yeah. I guess it's just a window in a door. Um, because, she yeah. <laughs> looks out the window uh, and sees someone in a hazmat suit cleaning what was Monty's room. She had seen him there at the end of season one. Yes. But the person outside doesn't answer when she starts banging on the door. So she's like... And it's because she has music going. Yeah, she's literally just, like, listening to her little iPod. When I look at, like, what she... What her little, like... I know it's not a prison cell. It's just, like, a quarantine thing. Yeah. But, like, she's got bed, toilet, sink, couch, chair. Listen, not bad, could be worse. Yeah, definitely could be worse. It's definitely on the, like, this isn't sinister side of the sinister things that they do and the people that they bring in. Yeah, and I like that the only thing in color in the entire room is, like, the Starry Night painting. Mm -hmm. And I have a question for you, and we'll talk about this later this season, and maybe we'll have more information then, but are we meant to believe that this is the original? Yes. I think we are, right? It's like, how did that get from wherever (laughs) it was to to here? Did, Did everybody in the world say yeah let's take all of our priceless artifacts and put them in america (laughs) (laughs) i don't see that happening well we do have like all of the smithsonians do have things like that so i feel like if if national treasure is to be believed Mm -hmm. you can just like take the actual official ones and like put them in storage for a little while so that yeah i mean tourists can look at this big thing and and 
the real thing is in cleaning and protection right now. And then you could also just get away with like right, right, right. putting it in a mountain for yeah. the apocalypse. Right. And you know, Clark is out there asking for Monty. And the reason why I think that she's specifically asking for Monty is when I was rewatching it, like for doing my notes, I was like, Monty, why aren't you asking for like somebody else that like, you know, I thought it was weird that it was Monty, but it's because she saw him at the end of the finale. Yeah. And that's why she's asking specifically for Monty. She's like, I know he was in that room the last time I looked yes. in that room. What yeah. did you do to him? Um, and so once she, the person doesn't answer, she smashes the camera in the room and then smashes through the glass in the door and slices herself open in the process of like getting it open. Um, but she mm-hmm. just doesn't stop. Clark is metal as hell. Um, she yeah. yanks the hood off of the person in the hazmat suit and surprised to see a girl like her age who looks quite harmless. Honestly, if I was Maya, I'd be even more pissed. I'd oh, be like, yeah. I have to go through like a blood transfusion now? You bitch. Yeah. Maya has every right to be completely just not happy with this. Um, She's also very much yeah. thrown off her guard because she was listening. How would you handle it if someone just yanked your hat off while you were listening to music? Like, I'm just sitting here. I'd be like, excuse you. I'd be so scared. I'd be like, whoa, what's happening to me? I'm being attacked. That's why I always only have one headphone in. <laughs> like when I'm going somewhere, when I'm walking, yeah. I always only have one headphone because I never know. I think it's so crazy that, that Clark just fully destroys her arm. And I'm like, bro, you couldn't have taken three more seconds to punch out some more glass so there wasn't like a giant shard coming up from the bottom. I feel like- Come on, Clark. I feel like the the first time and like while I watched it in being a fan of the show, this was like so badass. And I was like fully like, yeah, figure it out. Screw these people. They don't know anything. And now I'm like, girl, just take maybe five minutes <laughs> and you'll have a better strategy. Like, a, please still do all the things that you want to do and try to escape because you don't want to actually be here. These people are awful. But mm-hmm. give it five minutes so you don't look like a raving <laughs> lunatic. Yeah. On IMDb, someone pointed out that the window that Clark breaks to get out of her room is wire mesh reinforced, which is really hard to break through even after the glass shatters. Oh, yeah. In fact, she breaks it like the mesh isn't even there. And actually, Mm. when she picks up a shard to threaten Maya with, the mesh isn't there. It's just an ordinary glass shard. So uh, somebody just pointed out that that was like, maybe. yeah. Yeah. Like, I definitely understand why breaking it looks easy because they can't obviously can't use that kind of glass yeah Mm -hmm. but i also understand set deck making that glass look like it is one of those because it that is the kind of glass you would see in a hospital yeah but then also at least set deck the (laughs) the prop that she uses in her hand to also look like that Mm -hmm. or like to look like whatever it would look like if it was broken yeah yeah So she's... Eh, whatever, it's Riverdale. She sliced herself open, she yanks off Maya's hood, and she hesitates for a second because she's like, this is definitely not what I was expecting under here. But anyway, take me to my friends and... I, I'll i kill you if you don't, basically. Yeah. I love seeing Maya with, I know we already just talked about this, but I love seeing Maya with her iPod because her iPod continues to be like so iconic throughout the throughout the rest of the season. Yes. And then, so they get in the elevator and Clark is like making demands and then she like sees herself in the glass and is like, oh, yikes. Um, <laughs> She's like, I look crazy right now. I love the part where- <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, girl, that is correct. You do look crazy. <laughs> yeah. I love the part where she's like- how do you know my name? And she's like, bro, you're in a medical facility. Yeah. How did we know Monty's name? Come on. Like, it's on your chart. Yeah. And she's like, how do they know my name? And she's like, man, I'm just doing my job here, man. I- <laughs> I'm just living my life. Like, I was just trying to sweep. <laughs> yeah. 
And she, like, keeps asking her all these questions and she's, like, not answering because she's scared. Like, she's probably never had to deal with this before. No. And she's like, this was not in my training. I don't know. She's like, I can't catch you up on what is at least a half hour conversation. Yeah. You absolute feral child. Yeah. And then, so she's interrogating her and they wind up in the mess hall because Maya hit Mm -hmm. level five. And uh, they walk out to uh, a bunch of like 1% incest descendants um, (laughs) sitting around eating dinner. And a woman is like, oh my God, containment breach. And then they call, uh, they get Clark basically arrested and Maya escapes. Yeah. And obviously Clark is like, guys, where are we? Yeah. Uh, But I'm also like, I mean, yeah, imagine being a Mount Weather person and like a horror movie appears in front of you. I would also be scared. Yeah. No, like from that perspective, um, Clark looks absolutely deranged. And from Clark's perspective, Mm -hmm. this looks absolutely deranged because these people are eating cake and vegetables and like things that aren't freeze dried. And they're just like living their lives like it's a normal Tuesday. Yeah. And I am just sitting here. I'm like, these are all the wealthiest people. I know some of these people are like, I know this is not kosher. Yeah. So... (laughs) So Clark is in the hospital wing of Mount Weather when she's greeted by Maya and President Dante Wallace and Dr. Singh. Uh, Maya is like, God, I wasn't, you were just like going to be next. And then uh, she's like very grumpy about it. But she tells Clark that she's not pressing charges, which like, honestly, she probably should have. Well, like, I think that she was like, kind of, she was like forced into it. Yeah. Coerced into not pressing charges. Yeah. He's like, because like the president is like, we need to make a good impression with these stranger people. And she's in charge of the stranger people because we want to steal their bone marrow. Yeah. So we need to make a good impression. Exactly. (laughs) So apologize. Spoilers for the rest of the season you guys yeah <laughs> i told y'all at but the top i, I told y'all <laughs> yeah i love how well i sorry i don't love how dante's like oh she must have picked up the silent treatment from the savages Ugh. hate that let's not do that like yeah. it's very clear the like not metaphor but like what they're like taking inspiration from with oh yeah 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 that line and i don't like it and it's also but it's also like indicative of the type of people who would be in mount yeah. weather because mm-hmm. it's all very like the people who are on the ground are very like it is an allegory for being a, a class war basically yeah because the people in mount weather are like supposedly upper class like people who have an abundance of privilege and like you look around in there and most of them are white yeah and like so they're kind of there's an intention of them being sinister and like gross because those kind of people are sinister and gross yeah and like this is probably a room full of people descended from republicans and like (laughs) yeah you know Mm-hmm. And like, which like also, you know, and I think you're probably about to bring it up, but the fact that the guard calls him Mr. President is really interesting because it like shows like where everybody gets their titles. Like in season three, it was really cool to learn that they got commander from Polar- Polaris. Yeah. You know? And like, that's where commander came from and everything. I don't think we ever learned what chance where chancellor came from, but like the fact that they're using president because they're all clearly Americans is really yeah. cool. And I, I'm not sure, like, I feel like chancellor is kind of maybe an English thing. Mm. Oh yeah, sure. But in space, they would have probably found a title that is that is indicating a, a position of like power. But they also have like he's the chancellor, but they have a council of people basically yes, that are ultimately right. in charge of making decisions because. 
so many different nations were on the Ark, they were able to have like a very much kind of not any one nation's leadership system and create a new one out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the ground, this is all Americans in the in the mountain. So of course, they're going to continue the American tradition of having a president. But then yeah. also at the end of this, you find out that Dante's father was president. And you're also like, right. So this is a little dictatory. But it's also still accurate mm-hmm. to America because, like, there have been at exactly at least a couple like father son situation like related. And it's like you're you're fully getting you're making all the notes that I've already <laughs> got. A hundred percent agree. You're just like in this circle of power, and it keeps just like staying at that upper yeah. level of like it's a democracy. But is it right? Exactly. You're just like, oh, if his dad did it, like, is it actually a monarchy? Is that what it is? But in reality, probably what it is is that they're all just continuing to elect the people who are already up there because well they probably have the most experience with it already so they probably know and you know it's just a cycle that like nobody else ever gets a shot because everybody's more everybody's just gonna like do what they already know predisposed to yeah yeah so Maya has to apologize uh and then Dante introduces himself as she walks away with the doctor to go get treatment. And uh, he tries to ingratiate himself to Clark by like pointing out how much they have in common. He's like, we're both artists. We're both leaders. We just have, it would be beneficial to both of us if we got along. <laughs> yeah. And he has like oil paint all over his hands, which he says is oil paint, but it fully looks like bruises. And so when he like, you know, puts his hand out, you're just like, dude, are you well? Are you okay? And so Clark just basically sort of continues along the same line of interrogation. Where are her friends? Where's her stuff? And he's like, we have a very strict protocol about safety here because um, one breath of fresh air and we're all crisp. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Crisp. Uh, It is crisp. (laughs) Um, He insists that they saved Clark and her friends, but she's like, okay, so if we're not prisoners, you should just let me leave then. And he's like, mm, what's the point of you leaving? Because all your people are in here. And she's like, yeah, so what's, why would you do that? Okay, but I saw more of my people fall out of the sky last night. And he's like, well, we'll go check and see if they're alive. But it right now, everyone's dead. Just pretend everyone yeah. is dead for now. <laughs> yeah, just think about it and, and just, you know, forget about those people. It would be more convenient for me if you had no reason to leave. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. So I I know that she like got it back in like the City of Light and everything, but does she ever get that watch back? I don't think she does, right? Um or or do they are they just like we have we have quarantined it long enough. Doesn't she take it off of um doesn't she No, Finn finds it. Oh, oh. Like he finds it in the forest? No, he finds it on that grounder. That's why he goes nuts. Oh. Okay. We'll talk about that when it happens then. Yeah. <laughs> but Okay, the other thing that I have, and as always, you know, I like to do, I like to do lost uh, references that are fully a stretch. And this one is fully a stretch. Okay. And I, I do not think that this is an actual lost reference, but it was meaningful to me because he says to Clark Wallace, says, we have a lot in common, kiddo. Okay, so this is not a lost reference, but please let, <laughs> I, let me say. On Lost, um, Jack's father calls him kiddo a lot. And he does it in a very patronizing way. As in like, you know, you're a child, which is why I'm calling you kiddo. It's like kiddo is like, you know, we're friends, but it's also clearly like I think of you as a as somebody who's inferior to me. Exactly. The man who plays Dante Wallace is in one episode of Lost and he plays Jack's grandfather. Oh. So, so hearing him call her kiddo cements in my head so clearly, headcanon I guess, that Jack's grandfather calls Jack, called Jack's dad kiddo 
and it passed down. Yeah, I do think it is a like a stretch to call it a lost reference, but because of the actor, it's not. <laughs> yeah, like that gives a lot more weight to me. Yeah, because I mean, I know you sometimes pull. You're like, I've connected the dots, and you're like, you haven't connected. Sh-. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like th- with this one, I am like, no, the actor being literally in Jack's family mm-hmm. definitely lends something there. Yeah, like does he count as a lost actor? Like maybe you 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 could put him on the list of lost actors who were on this show. Yeah. Definitely. Which I think is short, but he would be on it because he was in one episode and he was an important character. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was, and I think, you know, we've already sort of talked about this a little bit, but what I, what was really fun about Mount Weather as villains was that they were so sinister because they were so nice and sweet on the outside Mm -hmm. and they were like trying to be so nice but then underneath was this like underbelly of like evil things that they were trying to do you know and that's what made them so cool and what made them so scary yeah and I also think it like there's visually something that they do there in the mountain as well because like they always do the shady things that they do in like the dark parts of the mountain where it's like Mm -hmm. still exposed like mineral on the wall instead of like right pristine white rooms and historic art on the walls and like it's a very there's very much a dichotomy of like we're good people in public right and it's like how much of this and I think Maya sort of talks about this later this season but it's like how much of this is things that you're straight up just keeping from your people and how much is it just things that your people are willing to sort of turn their eyes away from you know what I mean yeah exactly because like there is a a level and an extent to which they are all like not conspiring but like uh yes complicit yes there's a level to which they're all complicit because they are aware of what happens and what they do to the grounders like they know where the Mm -hmm. blood transfusion comes from it's not from each other it's from people that they've strung up in a back room right and they're like if i don't have to see it then you know what (laughs) listen i'm i'm not perfect and i don't like that i eat chicken which is why i won't like pull apart a rotisserie chicken myself (laughs) because I don't want to see that I just want to have my chicken in my little packages and like that sort of makes me feel like I'm part of Mount Weather who are just like (laughs) I don't want to see the grounders that are strung up but if the grounders are strung up and it's good for me then that's just how it is exactly (laughs) so uh she says fine whatever I want to see my friends and he's like okay great here's an outfit uh, closet that you can just go shopping in. I definitely thought it was nice that she gets to choose something in her own style, you know, mm-hmm. that they didn't just say, here's your outfit. So like, that's just another like thing that they're like adding on to like, here, look at how so nice we are. And it's also like, there's a level of nice to it. And there's also a level of like, this is a place of extreme privilege because they have the option to. Yes, right. Select through multiple outfits that fit this girl that are not being used by anybody. And like, right, Clark's like, I've worn this bloody shirt for weeks and it's also very there are it's also very indicative of the people in here what kind of clothes are in there like Clark ends up getting like a Lululemon jacket or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah and a pair of leggings or something because that's obviously girl those are expensive gonna be what's most like comfortable to her but also the rest of the stuff Mm -hmm. that's in there is like this bejeweled shirt and these like fancy necklaces and a pair of heels and it's like high heels yeah okay do y'all know what what genre you're in 
<laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's why it's like so jarring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what show? Wait, this is not. And like, even between the storylines, too, like, you know, Bellamy and Finn are covered in dirt and blood, and Clark's just like, here I am in my hoodie. Yeah. Monty and, uh, and Jasper are like, ooh, cake. <laughs> and Raven's like, I've been shot. Yeah. Um, so she picks out an outfit, uh, but also definitely takes a weapon from it and breaks, breaking off the heel of the high-heeled shoe. Um, once she's dressed, he continues taking her on a tour and he explains why they can't leave because their people can't handle the radiation because they didn't adapt to it. Uh, the grounders adapted via natural selection and Clark's people can handle it because even better because they adapted to solar radiation. And he's like, sounds super impressed with it. Like, and just like very respectful of her in, in the moment, but in retrospect, having like seen where this storyline goes, it's very creepy because he's like pointing out the actual reason. It's predatory. As to why they're keeping Mm -hmm. them there, which is to steal the essence of their like biological chemistry. Yeah. I like that he, you know, brings up, I think it's hydroelectric power from Philpot Dam. And if I remember correctly, that's like one of the, one of the writers. It's named after one of the writers. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure. And I like that, you know, that moment when like the elevator's about to close and he goes like, welcome to Mount Weather is like such a, such a huge moment because it's like, mm-hmm. of course, that's where they were trying to go in the pilot. Yeah. And it makes the, us want to trust them more because, you know, Jaha and co were like pushing them towards this place. But I'm pretty sure that Sky Crew thought that it was empty when they were sending it to them, you know, sending them there. Exactly. And I think up until that point, I'm not entirely sure the audience knew where she was. Oh. Because um, like I don't think it's... I'm not sure if it said anywhere earlier or if, or if the show advertised that it was like introducing Mount Weather at the time. I can't remember, but it does seem, even if the audience does know, Clark doesn't know. Yeah. Until that moment. I'm I'm having this memory of like that maybe at the end of last season, she like sees Monty in the window and then looks up and it says like a sign says Mount Weather. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You're, you're probably right. They just play it like a a moment of realization. But either way, it's a great reveal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, My other note here was um, them talking about how all the air is recycled and everything. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, they have been breathing in a hundred years of farts. (laughs) You're right. Like, and you know what? That's torture. It's just so sad. I hope you have really good air fresheners in there. Like the purifier on the air has to be really good. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Every time someone farts, somebody's just like, guys, seriously, we can't be doing that anymore. (laughs) So like before she gets in the, uh, he lets her go in the elevator. He's like, "Uh, give me the heel. And so it sort of like puts these two on an even playing field because like Clark is very, very smart, but he's also much older than her and smart and they're in his turf. So, but she goes back downstairs and she catches up with the rest of her friends and they are on like a fancy little guided tour and she hugs Jasper and Monty and Jasper tells her Finn and Bellamy didn't make it and they don't think that Raven did either. Um, And then Keenan, the tour guide, comes up and she gives her a little book and it conveniently has a map of the mountain. She's like, I'm going to use this later. And there are no exits on it though. So it's like, hmm. Hmm. Right. And so we also get to see the girl with the pearl earring painting in the background. That's in yes. the background, which is really cool. Um, but the other note that I had about this was just that, like, they have, like, this welcome pack. And I'm like, y'all just had this stuff ready? Like, how often do you get new people? I feel like never. <laughs> right. Like, who just whipped this up? I, I also had that thought. 
you know? And I'm like, are the containment rooms, like the contaminant rooms, are they so nice like that? Because that's where their own people would get to stay when they came back from like a mission on the outside or something? Maybe. That would make sense to me. Because like, other than that, I'm like, okay, why did y'all spend so much energy on a section of the mountain that you don't even spend time in that often? Right. Yeah. Or like, and like, does anybody? Because like, it's, they don't come back there. It's like, not. it's not their hospital section. Right. Which is much darker and dingier looking. I don't, it's weird. Yeah. But we know that people do go out, but they're usually like wearing full hazmat suits, you know? Yeah. But so maybe they go in there just in case. Mm -hmm. That would make sense to me. Yeah. At dinner, Clark insists that this place is too too good to be true and like she's just absolutely a buzzkill and uh jasper is already having the time of his life because he has just experienced the joy of cake for the first time and like no sorry he hasn't oh he hasn't yet um i thought he was going back for a second slice no monty refuses to let him try the cake okay well he he has he has had real food for the first time ever probably that isn't like space rations i love you early jaunty (laughs) i miss you early jaunty i'm so happy that all we have is early jaunty now so true and he is just really jazzed that there is cake here and clark is just super bringing down the room so he goes to get a piece of cake um but tragically they are all out and maya is like yes here you go. You can have mine. Um, and then they flirt a little and it's very cute. And Clark comes over and she's like, I'm just super here to apologize. And I'm not here for any other reason except <laughs> to apologize. I'm so sorry. Um, but then two minutes later, you realize uh, she has taken Maya's key card because she is yes. not sorry. And she is not going to stop because she's insane. And Nefarious I- <laughs> she is. Nefarious. <laughs> As she's like on her way out, the alarm goes off and they're like, oh, so I am a prisoner. So I am a prisoner. So what's the truth? On um on the wiki, it said that Devin Bostick had to eat approximately nine pieces of pie for this uh for this scene. Great day at work. So goals, I guess. Um, I also like how you called Clark a buzzkill because I literally wrote down Clark, who's kind of a buzzkill, <laughs> a lot. She kind of has a good reason here, you know, because she's so like I totally get it, and like paranoid. I think that it's. I think I find Clark less appealing now just because of how the show ended and how yeah um just some of the things that like i don't know and i absolutely loved clark at the time yeah but at the time i thought this was badass and that she was like absolutely had every right to be doing things like this Mm -hmm. and honestly she still does have every right to be doing things like this because she is a prisoner and she is trapped i just also have a hard time taking her seriously now because of season seven um, yeah. um, I like that, um, you know, that moment where Monty refuses to let Jasper have any of his cake because he's like, oh, yours, mine, yours is better. So you don't even want to try this. Um, but then he offers a bite to Clark. Yeah. Which is really funny. And, and the part where Clark says she won't eat the food, I think that she sees it as like a defeat or as like a concession it is it is to to the people but when, when i was re-watching it yesterday i was like well she thinks she's persephone or something like she eats something and now she's not allowed to leave <laughs> or something but i definitely think it's because she sees it as like a defeat and it's also she doesn't want to show any si- sign of weakness or like needing them at all but yeah. she doesn't want to be here yes uh the part where jasper's like weirdly flirting with maya and he like points out that she has cold hands don't do that man you got no game he's got absolutely zero game don't do that and she's like well i have low vitamin d so do you feel bad now but like it's also very cute that he that she is able to flirt out of that because she's also very yes. clearly into him and it's very it is very much a high school crush 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's like he's the new kid, too. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, I've known all these people. We're all incest babies. Like, <laughs> uh, my only options are my three cousins, you know? <laughs> like Exactly. It's cool that you're here, right? So what she's like, she's like, listen, I have low vitamin D, but like your D is, cr- I mean, your, I mean, your <laughs> vitamin D, your vitamin D is like so much. And I love it. <laughs> and I guess that's like really hot having lots of vitamin D to her, I guess, you know? Right. Um, so Jasper... But yeah, oh, is there anything... Yeah, yeah, go on. That's everything I have. Yeah, yeah. So so Clark gets out into a massive, massive staircase that must run along, like, one side of the entire mountain. And so yeah. she's, just, like, booking it for the, for the exit door. And she gets to the top, and she's, like, twisting knobs and, like, pulling levers. And Jasper gets there just before she can open it, and he's like, please, we're all safe here. Clark is like, um, absolutely not. And she's still very clearly processing her grief over being told that Bellamy and Finn and Raven aren't here. Yeah. Which are like the people that she'd gotten closest to. I think a lot of this like stems from the denial that she feels about that. And I mean, she's right, you know? Yeah. And there's also- That they're not. They're not dead. It's absolutely part denial. And there's also like Monty and Jasper are like friends to her, but- Mm -hmm. Finn was a romantic interest for her and Bellamy was someone that she could share equal like levels of like responsibility with. And so those two. Right. She's like, if it's just me, then, then, then I'm responsible for everything, you know? Yeah. And I don't have anyone to confide into about it personally, personally or professionally. Or bounce ideas off of. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like lost a lot and like her mom was supposed to come down in the like crash that she saw last night so she's not she's really which apparently she's dead too probably feeling very unmoored by everything because like she's not got any person that she's on that like personal level with that she can talk to Mm -hmm. yeah and so jasper insists that they're safe and if she opens the doors this says she's killing everyone inside because they can't breathe that air and Hmm, that's important to remember for later i think yeah and then she, it, like, Jasper is like, don't pull that lever and don't let it undo what you did with the other one. And um, thus begins Clark's weird lever motif. Um, yes. We will never be free of it. Because I think that the lever thing, like, the first lever was in the finale of season one. And so then they were just like, yeah. oh, you know what? Let's run with levers. Yeah, they really did. <laughs> yeah, great lever stuff, by the way. <laughs> you know, of course, she ends up pulling a lever to kill them all. It's not even this one, but it's a different one. On IMDb, it was pointed out, it was just a couple of, like, goofs on on IMDb, but it just said, when Clark stole Maya's pass card, she was able to enter a restricted zone with it. Yet both Jasper and Maya catch up to Clark in the restricted zone, yet they don't have a card to allow them entrance. And also, I was like, yeah, and also she broke the door. So I'm not sure how Jasper and Maya ended up following her. Well, I feel like there are multiple multiple entries onto that stairwell that she was on and we don't exactly uh-huh. see how she gets from that stairwell to where the exit door is because it's a very much a yeah. different room and it's like a bigger room that is true mm-hmm. but that is a very good point about how they get there without a card because they get there before the guards do yeah and like the guards you know when clark broke that door you know it didn't stop them indefinitely it just sort of like it just sort of like stopped them for a second they just had to take a different route like a longer route yeah exactly it gave her time yeah yeah. Uh, so the whatever. <laughs> so the guards do show yeah. up and they handcuff Clark and they bring her down to the new Oval Office, I guess. Yeah. To talk to the president and he tells her there's a blank canvas if she wants to join him in painting. And so, like, you do see that he is actually an artist. He didn't make that up. Right. And it's 
interesting that like this is the second time this episode that he's asked for them to take her restraints off. Yeah. Like he's been like handcuffs are not necessary. You know, he's being very like, I'm such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. So that because he knows that she's very influential. Yeah. You know, it's similar to how Allie felt about Raven last or last season, the last one that we talked about. So next season mm-hmm. about how like if Raven does something, then everyone will agree. You know, it's similar to Clark where it's like if they if we break Clark, everyone will follow. Exactly. And if he's also it's partially like you said, it's partially that like on the surface, it seems like a nice gesture. But it's also him manipulating her into being like, everything is fine. We're not gonna steal you for your bones. Like, it's it's a very layered, like, sinister situation. Welcome. Everything is fine. This is totally the good place. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, wait. It's exactly this. Welcome. Everything is fine. It's the good place. Spoilers for the end of season one of the good place. But it's actually the bad place. Exactly. It is very that. That's what it is. Yeah. And so he explains that he's painting the ground from memory, not just from like dreaming of it. Um, He went outside once when he was a child after the outsiders, as they call them. It's their word for the grounders. It makes sense that they would have a different name. Yeah. I feel like they should have probably like used that more. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if they do, but like it stood out to me in this episode. And I can't, it's just like me not remembering whether they continue to refer to them by different names. That's a good question. I wonder if instead they say something like, you know, the grounders as you call them or like whatever like that. Because I don't have any much memory of them calling them the outsiders either. Exactly. But clearly they would talk about them. Yeah. You know. So his father, who was president at the time, thought that it meant that they could open the doors and go outside and live. Um, but in a week, over 50, 50 people had died from exposure, including mm-hmm. his mother and sister. Um, so obviously at seven, that's going to change who you, who you are. And it's also going to change who your yeah. father is, who is the president at the time. And so right. you're going to instantly resent the people that can be out there. Because you can't be out mm-hmm. there. Right, yeah. And so... And no, and like your your father, who was the reason that all of these people died, is obviously going to start being more like, you know, grief stricken at the loss of his mm-hmm. wife and daughter, but also grief stricken at the, him being the reason that he lost so many citizens and, you know, now becoming... St- 10 times more cautious. Yeah. And he. I think it's also important to note that 50 people died from exposure, not from mm-hmm. any interaction with the outsiders. Right. Because I feel like that puts the entire onus of starting this like eternal beef that these two groups have mm-hmm. on the people of Mount Weather because of envy and jealousy and like greed basically right and not because the grounders did anything to them exactly right on um on the wiki it said when dante recounts the story of how his father first opened the doors 54 years ago no 54 people died it was 56 years ago come on wiki (laughs) get it together (laughs) He mentions that within a week, 54 people were dead from the exposure. However, at all other times, radiation death was seen to be near instantaneous. Mm -hmm. Someone, so another note just said he may have been embellishing the story to garner sympathy. It also is possible that over the last 56 years, it's gotten worse. It's gotten worse because we find out at the beginning of season at the end of season three, that the nuclear power plants are melting. Right. Melting down. So there is probably like more radiation. Like it probably- That makes total sense. Yeah. There was probably like a 
peaks and valleys situation yeah in the amount of radiation that's been outside Mm -hmm. no that makes total sense i also like the the line that he says that's like loss pain regret it's all like eased by time or whatever and i was like loss pain regret those are the abcs of me (laughs) that's all i could think about (laughs) because i think that that line by murphy is so weird (laughs) i think it's hilarious I think it's so weird. (sighs) He didn't go to school for ABCs, okay? He certainly did not. (laughs) He can't even spell die, Robin. (laughs) I know. I like how they, I like how they, sorry, I like how they, um, like, made Murphy in the pilot such an idiot. Yeah. And then, like, they, they made him, like, they were like, wait, this guy is actually needs to be really smart, and that's important. (laughs) So he became smarter and smarter as the seasons went on. Right. Big bimbo energy, honestly, from him. Fully. (laughs) I know, it's just, like, not only could Murphy not spell that, but also Mbege didn't, like, (laughs) correct him. I think it would have been funnier if Mbege had been like, actually, that's not how you spell that. Yeah. Mbege, who never had a line, question mark? I don't think, but love the Um, Johns. So true. Uh, Dante says that they've searched the area and found no other survivors from the, um, from the crash of the Ark. And, um. A lie, clearly. It's definitely a lie. And, like, clearly, like, I'm pretty sure Emerson is still out there. And, like, she does later find proof that they're watching the people that landed from the Ark. Yeah. But it all, it is also just meant to crush Clark into staying because if no one she cares about is alive on the outside, she doesn't have a reason to leave. Then what's the point? Why would you even want to go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, He just continues insisting that she stay here and grieve and he's not keeping her there because he has any other ulterior motive. He just thinks that if she goes outside, she'll die because everyone she loves is dead. Right. So it's like not even that you're going to die of the radiation. It's just that you're going to die probably from the grounders. Exactly. Or sadness even. Right, right. Grief. And then like if she's out there alone, they can't protect her basically is what he's saying. So later at dinner, Clark tries finally tries cake and decides, okay, maybe this place doesn't suck. She's like, oh crap, this is delicious. Don't let it show on your face. Don't let anybody know (laughs) that you think that this is so good. Exactly. I also think it was interesting while they're doing like their prayer and everything that Monty and even the other survivors of like the hundred and everything are like all saying the prayer. Like they've been completely brainwashed just immediately. Wild how I guess after a, a month of like surviving and like in a very different and com- like much more difficult way than you have your entire life would probably make you more susceptible to a cult. I can't say that <sighs> I wouldn't feel the exact same way if I lived in squalor for a month and then came here and they said, you don't have to fight anymore. I'd be like, guess I'm not fighting. They'd be like, you can have cake here. You guys got Wi-Fi? And look at- Yeah, I'd be like, I'm in. Priceless art. Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> I think that that moment where Clark smiles over at Dante, like Dante Mm -hmm. and Clark smile at each other. And like, I think that I'm not sure what the, like how Clark is feeling in that moment, because clearly we know that Clark doesn't actually feel that safe and she has not drank the Kool-Aid and everything. Mm -hmm. But like Eliza plays it as if it's like extremely genuine. And I think that that was like, either Clark's a really good actor, which I feel like I would believe, but also, uh, I forgot what my other point was. (laughs) But like seeing her- (laughs) I do think that Clark, I do think that Clark is. It's good for the reveal afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she is a good actor and it does benefit the reveal later. Yeah. But that it also is probably Clark realizing that it is going to serve her better to go along with this Mm, and, and sort of like become his friend. Like he, she is just now realizing that it will serve her better to do the same thing to him that he's doing to her. Yeah. Right, right, right. 
And it's like, we're both, we're both double agents for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. So later he also gives her a full art kit um, of like several different colors and like types of medium that she's never even seen before or imagined being able to use. And then she immediately starts using it and like you come up really slowly uh, in the camera Mm -hmm. and you think, oh, she is drawing again. And she's not. She's Mm -hmm. adding on to her map and figuring out where the exits are. And like, respect. Yeah. honestly yeah for sure i like that um we get to see monty doing a little magic trick which like clearly is just <laughs> something that chris was able to do and then they like put in the show because they needed like everyone to be like having fun and stuff which i thought was really sweet yeah but i also like that the end of this episode features two different messages to clark the one that dante gives her and the one that abby tries to give her yes but she only ends up receiving one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, so. not not long term. She does get there. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, yeah. She does get to Abby's message. Yeah, she does. Right. But then isn't it like washed away or something, right? That's true. It is partially obscured. But she can tell that it was for her. Yeah. And then it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. like Clark. Blah, 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 blah. Love Abby. <laughs> yeah. She's like, hmm, I don't know what that was supposed to say. The spicy brain has come and washed this away. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, are you ready to go into segments? Yes. All right. So my first segment is the post-apocalyptic sass watch or our favorite line award. Mm -hmm. Mine goes to Maya and Jasper for... No chocolate in space, huh? Space sucked. (laughs) You know what? It sounds like maybe it kind of did. Yeah. I mean, I probably think that Jasper probably feels very strongly that it sucked comparatively to what he's doing right now. I think it's absolutely hilarious, though, that they weren't able to, like, grow chocolate in space or, like, the things that you need to create chocolate. But Mm -hmm. they were able to grow weed, which is why he was in jail in the first place. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Interesting. Well, I wonder, because he just says that space sucked. So I'm like, so no chocolate? Or, like, (laughs) did you have chocolate? And it just wasn't very good? Like, it's so interesting to me also that they both Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like, I feel like the food scene is much worse in space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, they get back up there and Monty's like, who wants some algae? Right. Like, no thanks. But I really like how Maya and Jasper are, like, so interesting because they are literally, like, a ship that formed from two people who were born in, like, the farthest away possible that you possibly could be yeah. born. Like, she's, like, on- underneath the ground and he's, like, literally up in space. It's so interesting. When it was, like, mid-season four, I wrote this like little article for our aficionados Tumblr. It's like lost to the seeds of time. You can like try and look for it if you want to. But I did this thing where like every the hundred character got a 21 pilot song because Mm -hmm. I thought that a lot of them like really fit really well. And the one that I gave to Maya was a song called Hometown where it it basically talks about how um, it says like my hometown's in the dark. And so it was like all about how like she lived um, like under the ground and everything. And yeah, I thought that was I always thought that was a really good choice. And I'm like sort of cursed because now every time I hear that song I think about the hundred <laughs> but yeah you can also apply it to stranger things now this is just for for Robin it's true um because it's so that's good that's good thank you fitting for stranger things yes and my favorite line award goes to Clark and Monty for sit down and pretend you're happy to see me we are happy to see you I just feel like Monty is so like says that so genuinely. It's so cute, but it's such a funny it's such a funny moment. It's just it also shows the like dichotomy between their personalities at this point. Like yeah. Clark has just seen so much death this close to her face and yeah. Monty is 
has is still a little bit removed from it because like his parents weren't chancellors and he, his parents also didn't do crime that got them killed. Yeah. And so even before they got to the ground, Clark was more familiar with death than a lot of her peers, I think. And so it just puts them on like different levels of like, this is why she's the leader because she takes everything way too seriously mm-hmm. for a good reason. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. All right, Sam, what are you shipping the most? My segment is what am I shipping the most? And <laughs> this episode, I, there wasn't a lot for me to ship. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. I was watching the episode and I was like, it is Kane and Abby just out of personal bias and the fact that they yeah. interacted and at the time I was like eyeball emoji at, that they stood close to each other. Yeah. But I would say probably Linktapia okay. as the most because like they get mm-hmm. the most shippy content and he's like determined to save her and so yeah probably Linktapia and but also obviously Cabby because of who I am as a person. <laughs> Yes. No, and I'm glad that you gave a second one because I think, I mean, it's been a while since we've recorded, but I do believe that we now, we now have the rule that if you say Cabby, you do have to give a second yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. um, as for Robin's Murphy me moment, I already mentioned it while we were talking, but it's Murphy being happy that Bellamy is alive for 1.2 seconds before Bellamy punches him in the face. <laughs> Um, romance it's so romance we love it yeah (laughs) all right thank you guys so much for listening to this episode i'm so excited to be here with you talking about season two (laughs) i've never podcasted about season two before so it's very exciting oh my god it's an honor to be here robin i know i know (laughs) (laughs) i'm so excited uh our music is terminal by good news tunes if you are so inclined um we would love if you could review on apple Podcasts or just wherever you're listening if that allows you to write a review i don't know um but also just tell a friend that'd be great thank you to my lovely roommates emily and Brittany, for their cooperation while i record this podcast with our little bird who is now in alberta i've flown away i've flown to she's she's flown the coop flown the coop (laughs) but i feel like i should change that note to be like thank you to whoever cooperated with us while (laughs) we did this thank you to my dog who was like fairly chill the whole time yeah if you're a fan of Riverdale. We'd like to talk about that show too. We have podcasts about every single episode that exists. <laughs> um, and somehow there yeah. are still more to come uh, yes. for the final season. And it is utterly ridiculous. Uh, but we have a good time. Currently, Robin and Brittany have a good time. I am not on that one anymore. But it is delightful and you should check it out. And you don't even have to watch the show. Uh, in fact, it's probably more fun to listen to if you don't watch the show. <laughs> yeah, that's what I hear. Um, if you're a fan of Lost, which of course I mentioned, every episode um we like to talk about that show too we are now finished season three which is so exciting um and we are going to be starting season four um at the beginning of next year but i'm recording the first episode of season four tomorrow so i'm really excited about that yeah if you're a fan of stranger things we like to talk about that show too um it is my favorite pod to talk on on this network um it is an absolute delight we've covered all of the first three seasons and we also have um two like hour-long um podcasts of our reactions to the first part of season four and the second part of season four um and we'll be doing that one in the new year yes i'm excited about that still to figure out the logistics of exactly how that's going to work because they are significantly longer this season than they usually or than they used to be yeah they are massive massive episodes (laughs) yeah um you can follow at the aficionados on twitter tumblr instagram those are the main ones and yeah we'd really appreciate your help there as was said in the mid-roll um, <laughs> our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados um, if you can't help us out over there uh, just check out some of our small businesses and if not just recommend us to a friend because that's free and it still helps 
Hell yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. The next episode is episode 202. It's called Inclement Weather. Um, and it will be out on November 23rd. But if you're on our Patreon for just a dollar a month, you can have it on November 16th. So I don't know. Maybe check it out. <laughs> okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. bye.